Vision has just the right mix of music, inspiration and fun to kickstart your day. Rise and shine with Fel and DJ. Weekdays at breakfast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Did you know that there is only one word in the New Testament Greek for unity? but more than 16 verbs with their related nouns and adjectives to describe the process of division. There is only one way to be rightly related to Christ and His body, and that is through love, but many ways to disrupt that unity. Now, man is a divider by nature. Paul says that the works of the flesh are dissensions, divisions, and heresies, which means to separate or stand apart from others to break fellowship from the body and form a clique. The church at Corinth was like that. They took a stand for the wrong things and ended up like a garment that was torn in shreds. They took their stand over their favourite leaders. They also took their stand over their right to eat meat offered to idols, even if it caused their brothers and sisters to stumble. They took their stand on other rights, such as their right to speak louder and longer in tongues when they came together, and their right to eat and drink as much as they wanted at the agape meals while their brothers and sisters went home hungry. But something was missing, and that was love. Being right about something and having rights doesn't make us right, but love never fails. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Hi, thanks for joining us. It's Phil here, and with me is author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week we're looking at my church, my family. And the church at Corinth, just talking about there, Ken, it sure had its fair share of problems, didn't it? Certainly did, Phil. Uh, Paul's letter seems to be one long list of things that the apostle needed to challenge them about. Mm. And the first thing is the obvious division amongst the members at Corinth over the leaders in that church. Now, we know the Greeks love to debate and argue about various philosophies. Well, obviously they brought that kind of thing into the church. Some of them did anyway. And they had their favorite teachers. Uh, There were four groups. There was the Paul group. Now, remember, Paul was the father of of many of them spiritually. He says, you know, you've got many teachers but not many fathers in the faith. So he founded the church there and uh, was instrumental in their salvation. So remember, you know, some of those people uh, would gather around that. It would be a hard act to follow, we would say today. Uh, They remember the good old days and so on. Then there was the Apollos group. Now, Apollos was an intellect. He possessed expository skill. He was mighty in the scriptures. He could uh, confront the Jews publicly using their scriptures, you know, and showed that Christ was the, the Messiah from the Old Testament. Yeah. But he was a very good orator, and they loved that. So some people gravitated towards that. But then there was the Peter group, and Peter's ministry, of course, was to the Jews. So it's probably the Jewish element that, you know, uh, came around Peter and said, he's our champion. Remember, he was with Jesus originally, one of the original 12. <laughs> and so they're all kind of, you know, point scoring against each other. But then, of course, there were those who said, no, no, we're, we're of none of those. We're of Christ. In other words, who needs leaders? You know, we've got a hotline <laughs> to heaven. Uh, we've got our own sort of little, um, uh, you know, special favor with God, and uh, we don't need leaders. So that, that's how the church was fragmented. Well, I guess we have a tendency to do that today. There's always a danger when Christians take their eyes off the Lord and, and get them onto leaders. And we find especially when a leader is a charismatic sort of a person, very gifted, and people naturally gravitate to them, put them up on some sort of pedestal that really only sets them up for a fall or for disappointment, don't you think? Yeah, I agree, actually. I think people have uh, unrealistic expectations of human leaders, and then, as you say, they get disappointed when they don't live up to those expectations. And uh, Paul's way of addressing this problem was to say that very thing, hey, don't glory in men. You know, they're only men. Uh, You remember that passage says, not many... Mighty, not many noble, not many wise are called, but God 
you know, cause the, the, the you know, the, the, the foolish and so on, just mm. to show that it's not of man, it's of God yeah. and his grace and so that we won't keep our focus on man, otherwise we will become disappointed. They'll let us down. Um, and then he's, he says, look, don't divide over ministries. Is Christ divided? No, all these things are yours. There are different kinds of ministries, and God has given all these ministries to the church for your edification, not that you might divide and scatter over these things. This wasn't the only problem at Corinth, though, was it? I mean, let's talk about that other issue of eating meat offered to idols uh, that really brought offence to some of the Christians there, didn't it? Yeah, and we can't relate to this, but there's a principle we can relate to here. So let's just talk about that. I mean, I think it occupies about three chapters of the book. Mm. Um, idolatry, of course, was rife in that part of the world. It pervaded public, uh, religious, social, political life for both the Greeks and the Romans. So Christians were constantly exposed to this sort of things. Now, this is the sort of thing that would go on, is that uh, people would offer sacrifices to idols. Now, those sacrifices were divided into three parts. One part was consumed at the order, burnt up, if you like. Mm-hmm. Another part was consumed by the priest, or at least it was in t- his entitlement. And the other part was uh, taken home by the offerer to eat. So that meant if you went to the market to buy some meat, maybe the priest had sold that to the market because they couldn't eat all this meat, you know. Yeah. So they sold some of it to the market. Now, you knew then that that had been offered to an idol. If he was an Aussie priest, he'd give it a good go, I'm sure. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, uh, then, of course, the part that was given to the offerer to take home, uh, you know, he might invite some friends along, might be Christian friends. Now, you've got a, a moral dilemma here. We we know that this meat has been offered to idols and, you know, we worship the Lord. So mm-hmm. what do we do about that? Now, some Christians, they have this incredible liberty. Well, we know who we are in Christ. This can't touch us, you know. We're, everything is sanctified by prayer. And so we, we eat without any sense of a, a bad conscience, uh, but, of course, some Christians didn't have that kind of liberty or or that knowledge, if you like. And so if some of the stronger Christians did this in front of the weaker Christians, they might cause them to stumble. So mm. they say, well, this is our liberty. Yeah, but Paul says there's a greater law than liberty, and that's the law of love. What's it going to do to your brother? How is it going to impact your brother, you know? Let's put this into a modern-day context. What are yeah. some things there you think would fit? Um, well, let's say, for example, all right, th- this could be a little controversial one. Some Christians think, hey, it's okay to have a glass of wine with your meal. But there are some that say, no, you shouldn't. You know, we should be total abstainers. Now, um, you can't argue that point from the Scripture, although some try to. Mm. Um, but, you know, th- others might say, yeah, you can't argue it from the Scripture, but there's a lot of wisdom in abstaining altogether lest it leads to other things or causes our brother, our weaker brother, to stumble. So that would be one example. Uh, another would be, okay, some people feel that um, certain kinds of music is out for, for Christians. You know, we shouldn't be listening to certain kinds of music. Other Christians say, hey, there's no problem with this. You know, I, I don't feel convicted or condemned about listening to this music. So these are what we call gray areas, and, and we should let people make their own minds up because the Holy Spirit lives inside them to lead them and guide them. Mm. It was pretty clear there was a lot of division there, and it even extended into their meetings, didn't it? That's right. Um, a couple of things, you know, for example, the the Lord's Supper, okay? Um, when they came together originally, there was this common meal called the agape, and uh, that was joined to the Lord's Supper, or they, they, were, they were one rolled into the other, if you like. And uh, what that meant, it was like, almost like a, a BYO. <laughs> yeah, everybody brought their own food and then they shared it. So what would happen is like the rich would bring really, you know, a big, a whole lot of food yeah. and nice food. Yeah. And the poor would bring, bring their Vegemite sandwiches, you know. And so we all share it together. So they started sharing originally, but then that stopped. And this thing was supposed to be a love meal. Um, the rich were, you know, just eating their own. 
and the poor were going home hungry. So they weren't really coming together for their edification. Uh, there was division even at what was supposed to be a love feast. Mm. And then, you know, there was this whole matter of uh, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, like some people were speaking in tongues and um, they were speaking over one another. Um, they were speaking loud and long. They were competing. They weren't really edifying. And uh, Paul says, you know, when we come in amongst you, there's all this noise going on, but who really is getting built up? You just want to outdo one another. You're not really um, there to edify one another. So, Phil, it's a good point to end up on because, you know, there's two chapters about the gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians. There's one chapters, uh, one Corinthians chapter 12 and there's one Corinthians chapter 14. But right smack bang in the middle of that, there's that great chapter about love. Mm. You know, though I have the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, then it profits me nothing. Though I give my body to be burned, you know, though I do this and though I do that, but have not love. So Paul brings the whole focus back on what Jesus said. You know, the whole summary of the law is love God with all your heart and love your brother or neighbor as yourself. And uh, so that's where it kind of, uh, he ends up and and really gives them this wake-up call. Well, everything you're doing, you know, whether it's about who you support as a leader, whether it's about the way you exercise your liberty in this matter of eating meat or not eating meat, the way you conduct yourself in the meetings, etc., etc., Ask yourself, is it characterized by love? Because if it's not, then really we've missed the point. That's all we have time for today. Join us tomorrow as we continue our conversation on My Church, My Family. Until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.